Welcome to the Apostolic Keynote Podcast from Kingdom Faith Church. This message is by Colin Urquhart. A little bit further into this revelation that we had, the presentation we had last week about the spacious place. Uh, I haven't got the remote, so can, can you go through to the, the third frame? third slate. That's it. Okay, now, just to remind you, of course, on the right-hand side there is the light, as opposed to the darkness of the world, and the white strip represents the way we pass into the spacious place, the secret place, the heavenly place, place of God's heavenly presence. So all that I explained last week, so I don't need to go over that again. If you remember when we were talking about Jesus, Jesus spent time having fellowship with the Father in that secret place. He drew aside quite apart from all his other disciples. No doubt he prayed with them at times, but he knew how important it was for him to draw apart, to draw aside, just to have fellowship with his father, that everything in his ministry depended upon that fellowship, would come out of his unity with the father. So he could say when he was ministering in the world, if you've seen me, you've seen the father, the Father and I are one. So what Jesus did was, in effect, uh, I haven't got the remote, but it didn't really show up very well last week anyway with the, with the little laser. But he took the life, the revelation, the relationship, really, he had with the Father out into the world And what you saw in his ministry, as we look at the Gospels, is therefore the outworking of his relationship, of his unity with the Father. Not simply because he was the Son of God, but that he was living in relationship with the Father. He was in that continual relationship with the Father. Now... God did not save you to bless you. God saved you to make you holy. Be holy because I, the Lord your God, am holy. He is holy. This is his essential nature. So the more like him we become, the more of his holiness his righteousness, his life, and so on. But the more of his holiness will be reflected in our lives. So this is why the scripture says that it's so important for us to draw near to the throne of God in that holy of holies, to have fellowship with God in his holiness. So holiness isn't something to be afraid of because Holiness is simply to be like Jesus. 
If you think of the ministry of Jesus, everything he did was an aspect of holiness. Healing the sick was an aspect of holiness. Performing the miracles that he did was an aspect of holiness. It wasn't simply living a virtuous and sinless life. He expressed his holiness in what he was doing as well as in what he was saying. Because his father is holy, Jesus demonstrated his perfect unity with the Father. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father, because Jesus demonstrated that perfect holiness. So what God wants to do with us in the spacious place, in the secret place, is to impact us again and again with himself. That this is the importance of encounter with God. This is the importance of fellowship with God, of having time to listen to him uh, and, and to hear what he is speaking into our lives because in that spacious place, he does what he needs to do so that like Jesus, we then take that life, that love, that power, his holy presence, out into the darkness of the world. Jesus said, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. Now, we saw last week, without going through all the other slates, but whatever happens in our lives in the world cannot affect what God does in the spacious place. In other words, we might sin, we might fail, we, we, we might feel we're a million miles away from God at times, but because we approach through that white space, through the mercy of God, remember that represents his mercy, because we, we come through the mercy, so the mercy of God, the blood of Jesus, covers all that sin, covers the, the failure, covers everything that is unholy, everything that is impure, everything that does not actually reflect the glory of God. All that is washed away. And that's not a long process as we saw. We, have, we need one minute to thank God for that complete healing, for that complete cleansing of his blood, so that we can stand before him in the spacious place, made perfect in his sight, blameless, without guilt, without sin. That's the power of the blood. So what happens to us in the world cannot in any way influence what God does in the secret place. Uh, because there can be nothing unholy, nothing impure, nothing uh, that is less than God's purpose in the holy place. So when, when we stand before him in that place, in prayer and in worship, we stand in his total acceptance. We are as he wants us to be. And so that is the, the right state or condition, if you like, for him to be able then to impact our lives 
with more and more of his life. Because you see, that's the truth of us in the spirit. But as we know, our soul life and our bodies do not yet reflect the perfection that we have in the spirit. So what God wants is for that life, that perfect life we have in the spirit to impact our soul life, the person that you are, the personality, the character, therefore what you say and what you do, the way you think, the attitudes you have and so on, the more the life of the spirit impacts your soul, then in your life out in the world, the more like Christ you will be, the more of his life, of his love, of his power can be reflected in your life. So the time we spend with the Lord, allowing him uh, to refine us. Remember, in the vine, the Father is the one who looks after the branches, and he prunes even the fruitful branches that they may be more fruitful still. He cuts out of their lives everything that is counterproductive to his purpose. The purpose of the branch, of every branch, is to bear fruit. So he cuts out of our lives anything and everything that is counterproductive to that, anything that prevents or hinders us from producing much fruit that will last. So we can see that what happens to us in the world cannot influence what God does in the spacious place. But what happens in the spacious place will then impact what we do in the world. That's the key thing to understand. So <clears throat> it isn't a question of looking at yourself. You've heard me say again and again and again, the scripture tells us not to examine ourselves except to see whether we're in the faith, whether we're believing God, whether we're trusting in the blood, where, really whether we're trusting in this revelation of the truth, because what this presentation does is simply put together for you a whole lot of the revelation of the New Testament that you find in the Gospels and the Epistles and the Epistle to Hebrews and Pauline Epistles and so on. It just puts it all together in a neat package for you to be able to understand and appreciate. So what God wants is for us to allow him to impact us in the way that he desires. Now, what you have to understand is that in the spacious place, there's no feelings. It's not a question of trying to feel the presence of the Lord. This is the place of faith. We draw near with sincere hearts in full assurance of faith, not in full assurance of our feelings of his presence. You see, we believe what the blood has done. We believe that the blood has made us holy, perfect, without blame in the sight of God. It's a matter of faith, not of feelings. You can't feel that. You believe it. And if you believe it, then it affects your thinking, your attitudes, uh, everything that you say and do. Now let's think for a moment of an illustration, a parable that Jesus used to illustrate this. 
Obviously, during the time of his ministry, it was not yet possible for people to enter into this uh, holy place with God in the way that it was after the cross and the resurrection and the, and the coming of the Holy Spirit. But nevertheless, you see, Jesus is looking forward uh, in many of the parables that he preached because these are parables of the kingdom, the kingdom present, and also the kingdom to come. Now, in the parable of the father and the two sons, often called the prodigal son, it's not a very good title for it, really, because there are the three characters in, in the uh, parable. But if we think for a moment of this prodigal son, now he was a son of the father. So if we interpret this in terms of what we're talking about here, we could say, well, he belongs in the spacious place. He belongs to the heavenly father. He is a son. He is a son of God. Obviously, the father in the parable represents God. So he is a son. Now, he goes, he claims his inheritance. You can only have an inheritance if you are a child of God, if you're a son of God. So he's doing what appears to be a good thing. He is laying hold of the inheritance that is his from the Father. But when he goes out into the world, instead of living in the good of that inheritance and using it in the way that would glorify and honor the Father, he uses it to indulge his flesh. We would say, instead of living in the Spirit, he chose to live in the flesh. The sum total of that, without needing to go into all the details, is that he wasted his inheritance. And because he wasted that inheritance, things got worse and worse and worse for him until, Jesus says in the parable, he came to his senses. And, and he realized that even the servants in his father's household were doing a lot better than he was feeding pigs, which of course are unclean to a Jew, and wishing that he could eat the food that they were eating, that even the pigs, these outcast, unclean animals, were doing better than him. It's as if he got to the place of being absolutely even worse than these unclean animals. He couldn't get any lower in the purposes of God. But he came to his senses, and he decides to return to the Father. Now, he recognized that he needed the white space. He recognized that he did not deserve anything from his father. I have sinned against uh, heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. There's absolutely no sense of any righteousness of his own. He has lost all sense of self-worth. 
So he prepares his little speech. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he comes back, he approaches. Now, what the father does is he comes and meets him in the white space. The father comes and encounters the son where he is. Why? Because where he is, he cannot get into the spacious place, which in the parable is the feast, because that is, of course, where we feast on the Lord and where we can enjoy every spiritual blessing that is ours in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So the son, I mean, he, he's, he's been in the pits, right? The very worst of the worst. The father comes to meet him. The son begins his little speech. But what the father recognizes is that he is repentant. He has turned around from his life of sin, debauchery, uncleanness, and he is returning to the father. So he can't even finish his speech. The father embraces him with his love, gives him the gifts that really signify that he belongs to the spacious place. The robe of righteousness, because he's now forgiven. The ring indicating that he is now restored to family relationship. The shoes for his feet, because now he will walk in the way of the Lord and not in the way of sin. So what does the father then do? He takes him into the feast. No lecture. No period of time where he has to reform, prove himself worthy of coming into the feast. The father immediately takes him into the feast. Now this helps us to understand, you see, that it doesn't matter how much you foul up in the world, God instantly forgives completely forgives and restores you to your inheritance in the feast in one minute. It is as rapid and as quick as that. Now, most Christians don't think like that. They really don't. They think if they've messed up, then... God's going to have to take them through a whole process of this and this and this and this. And other people say, oh, well, we can't be restored to fellowship now. You've got to go through a period of discipline and the elders are going to do this, this, this and this. Why? Because they don't believe in the mercy of God. In the way that the scriptures teach it. 
The interesting thing in the parable is that the eldest son couldn't enter the feast because of his self-righteousness. You see, his life in the world, he was working for the father instead of living in the good of the inheritance that he had. The younger son, even though he, he uh, abused his, his inheritance, he had faith to believe that if he went to the father and asked for his inheritance, he would receive it. <clears throat> the older brother didn't even have faith that the father would give him a goat to have a feast with his friends. He was so full of, I work, I slave away for you day in, day out, and you never even give me a goat for me to have a feast with my friends. Full of self, full of self-righteousness. His eyes are on himself, on his performance, on what he's doing. His eyes are not on the mercy of God not on the grace of God, not on the provision of God. I've seen people whose lives, I mean, some of the things I've heard when people have turned to the Lord in repentance are just so disgusting and horrible, I could never even repeat them. I would not even tell you some of the things I've heard. But what I've seen is immediate transformation because of the mercy of God. It's as if all those things never happened. God is, is so able to completely transform the lives of people. There, there, isn't, there isn't a slow progression into becoming a Christian. Uh-huh. You see, when you're born, you're born. It's an event, isn't it? When you're born again, it's an event. All kinds of things may lead up to that event, but like, you know, nine months of pregnancy in the natural. And sometimes there are things God is doing in the lives of people before they're born again. But once that event takes place, you have a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. Amen? If a person really has been born again. So in the world there, a person may be an alcoholic, may be a, an addict, may be... Uh, prostitute I mean you know I had uh, prostitutes or former prostitutes I should say in the congregation and nobody in the congregation would ever known that they'd been prostitutes because they were just radiant children of God amen but you see this is the transforming nature of, of God's mercy and grace it demonstrates his love for for his people, for all those who turn to him and put their faith in him. So we see the transforming, we know about the transforming nature of God's power. But what he wants then is for us to live in the good of that. And this is why Paul talks about the process of sanctification. You see, we, we, have, we have this... The, the, these two truths that we have to hold together in tension, that we have been sanctified, we have been made holy, that is who and what we are in the spacious place of God's presence. Through his mercy and grace, 
We have been sanctified, we have been made holy, we have been made perfect forever. But however, in our soul life, in our natural life that we live out in the world, a process takes place where we are being sanctified through and through spirit, soul and body, Paul says. In this process, we are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory. So that place, the spacious place, is the place of glory. And what God wants is for us to glorify him in the world. Amen? According to the scripture, his glory is to be in us, and his glory is to be in the church. God's purpose for the church, for any church, is to reveal the glory of God in the world. If a church isn't doing that, then it's not fulfilling God's call uh, upon the life of that church. So <clears throat> we're not called to be religious. We're not called just to have a system of services and meetings and, and organizations. We're called to reveal Jesus in the world so that people will be drawn to him and therefore into the kingdom of God so that they too can take their place in the spacious place in the secret place, in the heavenly presence of God. So, <clears throat> where are our hearts in this? You see, because if the purpose of Jesus is for me to be more like him in the world, if that's his purpose for you, because it's his purpose for every Christian, is that your desire? Because you see, God will not go against your will. He knows what he wants for you, but what he wants for you only becomes a reality when you want that yourself. For his sake, for his glory. But this, you see, is where we are faced with our selfishness in the natural. There's no selfishness in the spacious place. But the selfishness puts the desire of self above the desires of God. But it's not just selfishness in relation to God, it's selfishness in relation to other people. Because you see, if we do not want to be the people God wants us to be, we will not be able to impact the lives of other people in the way that he intends. Let me put this very simply. The more like Christ I am, the more I can have impact on the lives of other people. Or put it this way, the more Christ can impact the lives of other people through me. The same is true for you, the same is true for any believer. So he transforms us into his likeness for his glory, because that's why he created us, but so that we can bear the fruit as branches of the vine that he wants us to bear for his glory. 
And the fruit, you see, is not activity. The fruit is people. The fruit that we are to produce is the way other people are impacted by the life that we have in the spacious place. This is why Jesus says, as the Father sent me into the world, even so I send you into the world. Now you see, Christians can praise God for all that they have in the spacious place and still live selfish lives out into the world. But Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, he will deny himself. He must deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. In other words, he will not live for himself in the world. He will not live to do what he wants. He will not live to fulfill his agenda. He will not live to fulfill some desires that he's created for himself or for his family. He will live to fulfill the plan and the purpose that God has for his life or her life. So that can only be the case if we are really submitted and surrendered to him and his will. But that, again, is not a decision. It's a process that is outworked because of the decisions that we make. We want God to express his life through us. We don't make the mistake of the elder son and think that in the world we're working for God. No, no. We encounter him. We meet with him. He expresses his life. Every moment you spend in the spacious place with God is precious, even though you may feel absolutely nothing. I was telling one of you the other day because you came and asked me a question and in response to the question I said there, there was a day last week where in, in, in my time with the Lord uh, in the early morning you know at the end of it I felt well what was all that about I felt I've got absolutely you know I, I, you, you sometimes feel well I missed it this morning it just didn't happen I mean somehow or other uh, I don't know, uh, it, things just didn't gel. But as you know, I go back over, um, over what the Lord says to me, because, you know, just hearing it for the first time, you usually do not put it into action. When you go back over it, then you see more clearly how what he says needs to impact your life. And when I went back over what God had said to me that morning, there was simply amazing revelation. And I was, I was praising God. Wow, yes, yes, yes. That, within the context of what he was saying before and since, but there was, it, you see, you can't rely upon your feelings. You really can't. But you do need to go over what God has been saying to you so you don't just write notes and forget about it. But you, 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 you want to apply what he's saying, don't you? You want to actually 
see the word of God being outworked in your life. But it was a good example of how, you know, you just do not go on your feelings. Don't think, oh, well, you know, I missed it this morning. Well, no, you were with the Lord and the Lord was there and the Lord was speaking. You were writing down what he was saying. And then it all comes to make sense. Even in the, in the times when, you know, you, you might feel as if uh, you're closer to the Lord. It's got nothing to do with feelings. That's what I'm trying to impress upon you. It's got nothing to do with feelings. Whether you feel the Lord's presence or whether you don't, he is present. You see, I'm, lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the world, he says. So, <laughs> I mean, you can never be outside of his presence. So if we're living in Christ, we're living in Christ when we're in the world. What we're doing in the secret place is having fellowship with him and allowing him to impact our lives so that our life in Christ and with Christ in us in the world will be more effective and more fruitful than it would otherwise be. Because we want that transforming work of God to continue in our lives. Hallelujah. That's why it's important for us to come and, and worship the Lord, not focus on yourself. It's not, oh, Lord, this, I need this. No, 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 no. He, he's dealt with all the stuff. You've cast all the burdens on the Lord, right, in the one minute, in the white space there. Praise God. So now you can focus on him. You see, the, the importance of the spacious place is that you're focusing on him, 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 not yourself. Now, when you focus on him, he will reveal to you more about himself because that's what he promises to do. Yeah, Jesus actually promised, didn't he, at the Last Supper that he would continue to reveal himself to the disciples. So God will continue to reveal himself, but he'll also speak to you about you. Not because you've been examining yourself, not because you've been focusing on yourself, but because at last you can listen to what he is saying. And everything he says will be encouraging. Even if sometimes he's going to discipline us or correct us in some way uh, that is necessary, it's always positive and it always has a positive effect. God will never say anything to you that will have a negative effect. The devil is the negative, God is the positive. So we don't want to spend time thinking about the negative things of the enemy. We, we want that time in the spacious place to be full of the positive focus on the Lord. This is why in talking about approaching the Lord to coming before the throne, the writer to Hebrews uh, says, fix your eyes on Jesus. And when Jesus is teaching the disciples to pray with faith, the first thing he says is, have faith in God. Get your focus right. <clears throat> Before you do anything else, make sure your focus is on, uh, is on your faith in God and who he is, what he has done, not on your problem, not on yourself, not on your feelings, not on your circumstances. Have faith in God. Then you can speak to the mountain and command it to move, and it will be moved. Because, you see, the, the whole essence of, of, of the Christian life is not you living for God, but God expressing his life in you. 
That's what you have to, to, get, to get hold of. It, what can I do? What can I do for God? doesn't matter how anointed I am. What can I do for God? Nothing. But what is the anointing? The anointing is God in me, God in you. Why? So that God can work through me and God can work through you. Amen? <clears throat> That's why he has filled you with the Holy Spirit. He hasn't filled you with the Holy Spirit so you can speak in tongues and prophesy and enjoy the gifts. I mean, all that is part of the package, if you like, because all that is part of the life of who the Holy Spirit is. But that's not why the Holy Spirit lives in you. The Holy Spirit lives in you to express the life of God through you. And you see, what Paul is saying is, is that the, the more surrendered we are to him, the more that can take place. Now, I've said how, how important it is, therefore, for the time that we spend in, in the spacious place. But I want you also to understand that the, that prodigal son came out of the depths of, of total depravity right into the feast immediately. Amen? And this is what this is this is, I believe, probably the most difficult thing for us all to get hold of. Because, as I said to you last week, it's so easy for us to know in our heads that there's no condemnation for us in Christ Jesus, and yet to be full of self-condemning thoughts. Because the enemy wants us to feel condemned because he knows that if he can cause us to focus on ourselves instead of on Jesus, we will feel condemned and that will rob us of our confidence in who he is and what he has done. And that will limit the, our ability to express the life of God in our lives. Can you understand that? This is why... You know, the scripture says, fix your eyes on Jesus. The devil says, fix your eyes on yourself. The Holy Spirit says, look forward. The devil says, look back. God says, look out. The devil says, look in. No, 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 no. We need to have the right perspective, don't we? So that then we can see the life and the love and the power of God. Uh, actually working through our lives in the way that he intends. So, <clears throat> the, the great thing is this, and I've seen this time and time and time again. Um, I, I was <clears throat> just talking to some folks uh, about revival over the weekend in, in between some sessions in Germany, uh, talking to some leaders. And uh, I was saying that, <clears throat> reminding them of a time where in revival, you know, when we were leading these big crusades. And uh, there was one, one of these crusades was uh, in Manchester, and 70 churches were involved in this. So it was, it was a major, major event. And we always had a, a meeting of the pastors, just the pastors, 
and of the uh, at the at the very beginning of these events and um so about 120 pastors came because obviously some churches had more than one pastor so about 120 pastors there and what we would do in this time is to get them to meet with god now if you if you say to most pastors you know we're going to meet with god most of them wouldn't even know how to begin to do that so i, I said to uh, i said to the team i'm going to divide these men into groups and uh, they were mostly men and i, I want uh, and each one of you will have a group i want you to explain to them how to meet with god how uh, to meet with him in his holiness then I want you to lead them in it so that they actually do it and, and encounter the Lord. And I had on the team that uh, in that crusade a 16-year-old girl who had recently come to us out of just sheer desperate need. She was someone who had never known love. She had never known what it was to be loved. Her life, had, she was one of these people that had been um, gone from one home to another, to another, to another. She was considered such a problem, you know, uh, that when she was fostered, people couldn't, they would just pass her on to another and she went, I don't know, I can't remember how many homes she'd been in. Her life had been a total disaster, 16 years old. No home life. She'd never sat at a table to have a meal in the whole of her life. Didn't know what to do with a knife and fork even. And, and uh, she came to the Lord, obviously. Uh, and so she came as, uh, as part of, because I would have about 15, 17 people on the mission team for these major events with the musicians and people selling books and tapes and all the rest. So she came on this. So the guy said to me, well, you're not going to give her a group, are you? So I said, yes, why not? So here is this 16-year-old. She's known the Lord a few weeks at most. But she knows the Lord. She's met with God. She's filled with the Spirit. She knows how to meet and encounter God. So I said, yes, why not? And I said, now, so we divided them up. This young girl, she was given a, a group. And I, I said, no, I'm not going to have a group myself. I'm going to come around the groups and see how you're all getting on. So first time I went to, and went to this group, there, there was this little, she was a little slip of a thing too. I mean, you know. If you blew, you'd think she'd fall over. Uh, <laughs> but there she was, lay, laying, in, laying it on the line. And there were pastors. I mean, some of those pastors would have been in ministry of 20 years, 30 years. And here's this little scrap of a kid. Next time I went around that group, every one of those people were on their face, openly repenting before God. You see, beloved, it's where you are in relationship with God that determines what he can do through you. 
That's the importance of the spacious place. Because that's where the relationship is built up. Amen? That is where it happens. Then, out in the world, you see the fruit because you take that relationship. You take whatever dynamic is going on between you and God. You take that into your relationships. You take it into your family life. You take it into your, your, the life with your friends. And, but you take it into your ministry in whatever form that takes. The life that you have in that relationship with God is then expressed in what you do. And I mean, one of the great things you see for, even for a young girl like that, was to have the opportunity to give away what she'd received. Because this is the point. We, whatever you receive from God is never for you alone. It's always for you to give away to others. Whatever. I mean, you know, I spend time just hearing the Lord, receiving the Lord. But it's not for me. It's for all those to whom I speak, to whom God sends me, or if I'm writing, or if I'm recording, or televising, or whatever I'm doing. It's for others. Because we don't live for ourselves. We live for others. We're laying down our lives for others. Praise God. So actually there's no limit to what God can do in us and through us. It's not a question of, well, you know, I've got to reach a certain standard, a certain spirituality before God could use me. God can use that little slip of a girl in the way that I saw him using her. He can use you. I mean, you would say in the natural, she had absolutely nothing going for her. But she met with God. And that's the thing, isn't it? And God could flow through her life. And this is where we're so blessed to be part of a fellowship like this. Because you see, out there in the world, most Christians do not have a group of people with whom they can encounter God. Most of them are on their own. In most churches, there's, there's, no, um, there's no context in which people will actually seek God together. It just doesn't happen. Which is why, in a situation like I've just described, none of those pastors would have even been familiar. And I know because in that time of revival, we had two leaders' conferences every month for three years, apart from August, the holiday month. For three years. Why? These men came to encounter God. But we had to tell them how to do it right at the beginning. I was usually traveling the world, so just the young people in, in our community, in our fellowship, they were the ones that were leading those, those times. 
But you see, you can convey to others whatever God has conveyed to you. You can bless others with whatever God has blessed you. It's never for you alone. You know, God meets with you so you can give him away. This is the whole, this is the whole essence of the thing. We're just, we're just giving Jesus away to whoever will receive him. <laughs> and in whatever way they need to receive him. So praise God. All our sin and failure cannot affect what God does. Because he cleanses us and makes us holy in his sight, makes us pure and blameless, holy, righteous, so that then we can encounter him in his holiness, in his righteousness, in his perfection, in who he is. And then we can take him into the world, out of that place of prayer, but not out of him, but out of that time of fellowship with him because of the way that he is impacting our lives. So there may be some particular occasions when God does a particular thing of particular significance. But those times are within the context of what you might say the daily grind, you know, just daily coming and meeting with God, daily, 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 daily. Sometimes it seems great, sometimes it doesn't, sometimes you feel his presence, sometimes you don't, but daily, 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 you are there with him, submitted to him, listening to him, allowing him to impact your life with himself, allowing him to release the good of that anointing that he has placed upon your life so that rivers of living life will flow out of you. So we're not religious like the elder brother, full of ourselves, concerned about what we can do for God. But we're like those who, in his love and mercy, God has accepted us, put the robe upon us, and the ring on our finger, and the shoes on our feet. He's taken us into the feast, and he really says to us, every day, come and feast with me. Just come and feast with me. Just enter into the feast. So, oh, not another eight o'clock. If that is your attitude, you're not quite there yet, are you? Oh, I don't feel like praising the Lord this morning. You don't yet quite understand, do you? Mm hmm. Oh, well, perhaps I'll turn over. Nobody will miss me if I'm turned over in bed. Nobody will miss me if I'm not there. You haven't quite got the idea yet. Mm hmm You don't really see what it's all about. Us being with him in the spacious place, 
so that he is with us in the world. Amen. Let's all stand. Oh, hallelujah. I'm happy. Anybody else happy? Oh, thank you, Lord. Come on, just thank him. You might not have been like the prodigal son. Some of you probably were. Probably some of you were living very worldly lives, very sinful lives, on drugs and sexually promiscuous and all kinds of stuff going on. But all that's history. That's no longer who you are, that's who you were. But God has taken you into the spacious place. You may have been brought up to be a nice person because you come from a Christian family, but you still needed Jesus because being nice is not being holy. Amen? So he wanted to make you a holy child of God who would take his holy life and love and power out into the world. So you needed him too. <laughs> so just praise God that you didn't find him, but he found you. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We praise you, Lord. We bless you. We thank you. Come on, we can be more thankful than this. Pura la basuturi saria letto, golazotari santaria letto ba. Parasta calaria letto, golazotari sandaria lena masotari santum. Basta calaria letto, golazotari sandaria lena masotari santum. Basta calaria letto, golazotari sandaria letto, papa papa razotari santum. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. We praise you, we bless you, we. We honor you. We glorify your holy name. We bless your holy name. Pura la basotori sandaria leto golosotori sandama. O papa papa razato golosotori sandama. O papa papa razato golosotori sandama. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Bo papa papa golosotori sandaria leto golosotori sandama. O papa papa razato golosotori sandaria leno masotori santuma. Hallelujah. Come on, Jesus. Come on, Jesus. Come on, Jesus. Pura la basotori saria leto golosotori santuma. Thank you, thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, Lord. Papa papa razato golosotori sandaria leto golosotori sandama. O papa papa razato golosotori sandaria lena masondama. O papa papa razando risaria leto golosotori sandama. O papa papa razato golosotori sandaria lena masotori sandama. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. 
Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Pura la pasoto di saria lero papa papara zato papa kalazota ba. Bazandaria leto kalazoto di sandaria leto papa papara zondama. Ombarazato papa papa kalazoto di sandaria leno masuntama. O papa papara zandori saria leto kalazoto di sandama. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Pura la basoto di sandaria leto kolosoto di sandaria leno mazundama. O papa papara zato papa kolosoto di sandaria leno mazunta balanama. Come on, Jesus, come on, Jesus, come on, Jesus. Come on, Jesus, come on, Jesus. Come on, Jesus. Come on, Jesus. Pura la basoto di sandaria leto kolosoto di sandama. O papa papara zato kolosoto di sandaria leno mazundama. O papa papara zato kolosoto di sandama. O papa papara zato kolosoto di sandaria leto papa kolosotama. O papa papara zato di saria leto kolosoto di sandama. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Papa Papa Razato Golazoto di Sandaria Leto Golazoto di Santoma. Palato Baparia Leto Golazoto di Santoma. Balandaria Leto Golazoto di Sandaria Leto Golazoto di Santoma. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Papa Papa Razato Papa Papa Kalazito di Sandoma. O Papa Parazato Papacala Zita di Sandama. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let's just be still for a moment. You know, the thing that helped me when I was a young believer was God made it clear to me that He was always waiting for me in the spacious place. I'm waiting for you. That's what originally got me out of bed in the early hours of the morning, in the middle of the night. It still does. Because I know he's waiting for me. I don't want to keep the Lord waiting. The amazing thing is that he wants fellowship with you more than you want fellowship with him. one occasion he said to me you know if you're not if you're not in this place with me I miss you and you think how how can the Lord God Almighty miss me it seems crazy but that's how much he loves each one of us And he wants to reveal more of himself. 
He wants you to know him better. To know him in his love, his mercy, his grace. As well as in his power. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Lord, I pray that in every one of our hearts there will be this desire to make a difference in the lives of many other people. That no matter what the nature of our ministry, now and in the future, you will use each of us to impact the lives of many others with your life, with your love, with your presence, with your power. Thank you, Lord, that you have given us the authority and power of your kingdom. That we may be ambassadors in the world for your kingdom purposes. That just as nations have ambassadors, so you have called each one of us to be an ambassador for your heavenly kingdom in the world. To be your representative. So that you can express your life in us and through us. So we praise you, Lord. Thank you for that total acceptance that we have in Christ Jesus. That he is our holiness, our righteousness, our wisdom from God, our redemption. Thank you for the anointing of your spirit. Lord, we know there's so many people out there who need you, need your love, need that acceptance. So many like that little 16-year-old girl. So many much older than her, whose lives have been a catalogue of disaster and depravity. And you want to bring them out of the pit, out of the depths of despair and darkness, and into the glorious light of your kingdom. Thank you, Lord, that your church has a rescue mission to rescue people from darkness and bring them into your glorious light. And Lord, thank you that each one of us 
even though we won't all be evangelists, but each one of us has a part to play in that. Thank you for this wonderful privilege of being part of a fellowship of believers that can seek after you and meet with you day by day. Lord, such a privilege. So few Christians really have such a privilege, comparatively speaking. And, and we thank you, Lord, for this wonderful opportunity. We don't want to miss it, Lord. We don't want to waste this opportunity. We want to use it to the full. So, Father, we thank you that you will impact us with your life day by day as we draw aside to be with you, whether we feel your presence or whether we don't, whether it all seems to gel or whether it doesn't at times, but you are always there. You're always at work in us. We're always speaking to us. You're always wanting to lead us further on in your purposes. And we bless you. We praise you. We exalt you. Pabakara zandaria leto galozotari sandam. Basta galaria leto galozotari sandaria lenomasotari sandam. Basta galaria leto galozotari sandam. Papapara sotari sandaria lenomasokolatinoma. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Can you thank him for the fruit that you're going to bear? God has prepared good things for you to walk in. Amen. You're going to produce much fruit for the glory and praise of his name. Hallelujah. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. So, Lord, we thank you for all that you're doing in us and among us. And thank you that as a result, we're going to have a much greater impact on the world. And we're going to see multiplication and harvest and abundance. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you. It's the anointing that will break the yoke of oppression on people's lives. Thank you, Lord, that we're going to see lives transformed, gloriously, gloriously transformed. And we bless you, we praise you, we exalt you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. Oh, I, I think we ought to be more thankful. I don't... Hallelujah. Thank you, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We bless you, Lord. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com.